Happy Easter. Okay, not too bad. I was a little worried after feeding all of you pancakes and sausage. I knew it could go one of two ways. Either this was going to be the best message you've ever heard, or it was going to be the best nap you ever took. I wasn't sure. So it seems like you've got a lot of life, and so I'm going to take advantage of that and jump in. Hey, can you believe the incredible weather we have? I mean, just amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for this incredible day. Um, I, we, we get together once a week as pastors of the community, and we were praying this past week for all of the churches and all the Easter services, and uh, we had collectively kind of decided that we probably shouldn't have our um, sunrise service just with everything for one more year, and of course, this is the year where it was 50 degrees at 6 o'clock in the morning, because all the years in the past was like 10 degrees. Um, so guaranteed next year, because we'll start doing that again, it'll be back down to 10 degrees. But thank God for the incredible weather that we have today. Hey, um, we are so glad. Look around the room. Isn't this good? This just feels good. This is just awesome. Uh, in each one of the services that we've had, um, we've had more people in just the one service than we've had in a combined weekend since the beginning of COVID. So this is just really exciting. And it's just good to see faces. Um, we're so glad that you are here. Thanks for uh, being here today. And um, you're here for a couple different reasons, probably. One, you either faithfully or regularly attend here at our church. We're glad that you're here. Uh, maybe you're just a family member that is coming to enjoy Easter with your family. And maybe you're the person that your family literally dragged through the door. I saw a couple families doing that, pulling people in. Uh, for whatever reason that you're here, we are glad that you are here. And I'm going to open up with just a quick word of prayer. And here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask that God would use my voice to communicate to your hearts. Here's what I'm going to ask of you. Would you open your heart and your mind, no matter where you're at this morning, would you open your heart to, um, to God and just ask him to speak to you? Because I believe truly that um, we are gathered here today. You are in this room. Um, you're watching online for a reason, and there's something that God has for you. So would you please take my imperfections, and would you please dismiss them, and would you ask God to speak to you through the words that I speak to you? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and we thank you for, uh, as we were just singing, we thank you for the resurrection Christ. We thank you that um, as we focus on that, as we look to you, as we remember that you died for our sins, but not only that, but you rose from the grave so that we could have victory victory, that God, you do something in us, and that stirs a resurrection in us. And so, Lord, that's what we pray for right now. I pray that I would decrease and you would increase in me, and that my words that I communicate would go out and speak to the hearts of every person listening. And Lord, I pray that every person listening right now would open their hearts and their minds to receive something from you, because I I know that you have not gathered us just to hear another message. You've put us together today to change our lives, to change something in the way that we think about you and the way that we think about our relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that in, we, in each one of our hearts and minds. And we thank you for these things in your name. Everybody said... Amen. Um, okay, so it's Easter weekend. This is normally when uh, you would come to church and somebody would open up one of the gospels and read about uh, Jesus dying on the cross and ultimately uh, raising from the grave. And that is absolutely incredible story. And I want you to remember that. But I'm going to go at it from a different angle uh, today. Um, I 
in preparation for this, um, as the teaching team got together and talked about it, uh, this section of scripture in the book of Colossians actually jumped out to me, and I really felt like this is where I was supposed to go for Easter weekend. And so, um, as many of you know, but to make sure that everybody's on the same page, Paul, Peter, the other authors of the New Testament scripture um, commonly referred back to um, the resurrection and to Christ dying and being resurrected from the grave. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I only want to know of Christ and him crucified and ultimately being raised from the dead. And so here in the beginning of Colossians, I'm going to pick up on the first chapter of verse 15, and I want you to catch what his heart is for the church as he begins to just tell them uh, kind of this foundational truth about what we celebrate on Easter. And so I'm going to pick up in verse 15, and it says this, the son, who's the son? Jesus. Okay. I'm going to try it again. Who's the son? Jesus. Okay, just making sure we're on the same page. The son is the image of the invisible God. I'm going to stop right there. I love that start of what Paul is trying to communicate to us. The son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. I want everybody to understand that no matter how smart you are, no matter how high your IQ level is in this room, you're still finite. There's not a single one of us that can truly comprehend the majesty, the holiness, the amazing God that created each one of us. I read a book by A.W. Tozer recently, and he was just talking about this subject in the fact that it is impossible for our finite brains to even come close to comprehending how big and how incredible God is. How amazing the infinite creator who was and is forever. You and I have beginning and end. He does not. We can't even, when you really put your mind to it, you can't even really comprehend and bring that in. Um, but here's what I love about this section of scripture. It says that the son, Jesus, is the image of this invisible God. See, God so loved you and I that he gave his one and only son that whoever believe in him should have everlasting, eternal life. And that is a great gift from God, but it goes beyond just that one gift. It goes beyond that into understanding that one of the reasons Jesus sent his son is that so that you and I could understand, at least, at least in a little glimpse, how great our heavenly father is. There's a lie in the world today, church, that says God is angry at you, and I'm just gonna start this message by saying this. God is not angry at you. He is proud to call you son. He is proud to call you daughter, and he wants you to know that he has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. I felt very strong as I was preparing this that I needed to stop right here and just talk to some people, and that would be anybody that would judge God, this invisible God, this God that we can't comprehend that you would judge him based on what another man or woman does here on earth. And I want you to be very careful about that because um, there's not a single one of us who are perfect. And let me prove that to you. If you're perfect in this room, raise your hand. Our sound guy, our video guy, that's the only one. And he is close. He is close. But I've seen him mess up. So I just know that's not the case. Here's the truth. That's not a single one of us who are perfect. Not a single one of us that has that perfection. And so if we judge God based on what another man or woman has done to us in our life, we make an incorrect assessment of this invisible God. 
And so I just want to open your hearts. I hope that opens your heart and mind to this message today because don't judge God based on his people. Don't judge God based on me because I am not perfect and I make mistakes. Don't judge God based on, judge God because he is infinite and because he sent his son Jesus so that we could get a picture of who he was. Jesus was the perfect man. He walked in a perfect way and he taught perfect things. And if we would grasp that, we would have a really good picture of this invisible God. The problem is we take our interactions with individuals in the church and we blame God for it. Don't do that. Don't make that mistake. If there's anything you grab a hold today for you, understand that the sun is the image of the invisible God. There's not a single person in here that lives up to that. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Okay, how many kids do I have in here? Let me hear you. How many kids do I have? You can be louder than that. I heard you in the bounce house. How many kids do I have? There we go. Okay, I'm going to read the rest of the section of scripture, and here's what I want you to do. The word all, A-L-L, all, is used many times in this. I just forgot how many times. So kids, I need your help. As I read through this, you count how many times that word all is used. All right, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. How cool is that truth right there? All things are held together through Jesus Christ. All things. We'll talk about that in a minute. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. I want you to hear the heart of your heavenly father, this invisible God. His heart is that he was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether here on earth or on hev in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. That's what we celebrate this weekend, his death and resurrection, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Isn't that good news? Because of Jesus, you are presented before God without any blemish and without any accusation. Oh, try to grab that. Because if you're anything like me, I'm always beating myself up about what I've done or what I've said or what I didn't do or what I didn't say. Anybody else? And this is what the word says, that he sent Jesus so that we would be free from any accusation, from any blemish. And it says this, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Okay, kids, how many alls? I tricked you because I kind of went back. So whoever had seven is right. All right. Okay. So that's good. All right. So I want you to catch here on the last thing. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out on the gospel. What I want to talk to you today is the correlation between faith and hope. And really what I want to talk about is hope. There are so many things that Jesus died for, for our lives. He himself said this when he walked and talked on the planet, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. Let me just ask you how you're doing. How is your life? Do you feel like you have a bunch of abundance or do you feel like you're struggling? 
You don't need to answer that question, but I just want you to take a good assessment of where you're at because what Jesus' desire is for you and I is that we would have not just life, but we would have it in abundance, okay? And so as we were talking about this aspect um, and all of the different things that Jesus died for, there was one that really kind of jumped out to our teaching team. See, we gather together and we talk about, okay, what are we going to discuss and what are we going to talk about for Easter service and what it's going to look like and we start planning. And my wife, I'm going to give her credit, she's like, we need to talk about hope is alive and his name is Jesus. That was a good amen right there. <laughs> hope is alive and his name is Jesus. And see, I think we, we, we get so caught up in the death and the resurrection and, and get caught up in all of the gospel stories, which is good, absolutely good. But I want you to grab a hold of this piece this weekend for this Easter, for this year, and I hope you'll never forget that, and that is this. Jesus died so we could have a living hope. A living hope. Now, in order to truly understand the essence of what that is, we have to understand what hope is. Because hope... Um, biblically is a lot different than what you'll find out in the secular world. If you go downtown Castle Rock and you ask them what hope is, um, they probably will answer something in line with what you'll see in the dictionary, which basically says this, um, it's a wish. Like, have you ever said, I hope I win the lottery? (laughs) Um, Do you expect to win it? Are you anticipating that you're going to win? you almost have this certainty that you're not going to win, yes? And here's the problem. When we think of hope that way and we read this scripture that says that we are supposed to have hope, and when I get up and say that Jesus died so we could have hope, if you have that understanding and that definition in your mind, what you're gonna walk away with is almost this God's gonna disappoint me, yes? But that's not what biblically hope means. If you look up the definition in the Bible of what hope means, it means this, to have an expectation, a trust, a confidence. It goes on and says expectation of what is sure, that you are actively waiting for something. It comes from the root to welcome or to anticipate with pleasure, to anticipate with anticipate with pleasure. Um, so Kim and I, in just over a week, we get to go on vacation. And I'm telling you, we are hoping on this vacation. <laughs> we are expecting good things. We are anticipating with pleasure this vacation. Now, here's what's interesting about this vacation. This is a um, reset because we were supposed to go in January, but because of some COVID circumstances, we had to cancel the trip then. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, first world problems, yes. Uh, The point I want to try to make there is that we do understand this anticipation. We do understand this expectation that has this life to it in certain circumstances in our life. And what I want to present to you today is this. Jesus died so that we could continually live in an anticipation and an expectation of the great things that he has for us. No matter what the circumstances Even when the circumstances are really bad, God wants to still come in and help us to realize that we can have an anticipation and expectation of good things even amongst the bad things. The Word of God says that he works all things for his good and for those that serve him, yes? And so he wants us to have that understanding. The problem is, though, 
that we get off center, we get off course. If Jesus is our plumb line or if he's our anchor or our north star, what happens is we get off center when we put our hope in other things. As a matter of fact, Proverbs says this in chapter 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Have you ever been made sick because something you hoped for? Have you ever put your hope in someone, a relationship, you put a hope in a relationship and you were like, okay, this is the person that, that maybe will make me feel good and, and it'll all come together only to find that that person disappoints you. Or have you ever put your hope into a job situation where you've climbed this corporate ladder, you've gone up and up and up only to find that once you got to the top, it left you wanting? Have you ever put hope in a boat? I'm serious about this. You're like, okay, if I could just get a boat, then I could go out on the lake and I could just get away from it all and I could just go enjoy my time out there on the lake and we can, we can jet ski and we can fish and we can just have a great time only to find out that every single time you go out there on the boat, you have to fix something. <laughs> I had two jet skis and there was one of them that was always broke. And I enjoyed those things, and I loved being on them. But as it is true for a boat owner, the best days of the boat owner is when you buy it and when you sell it. <laughs> we put our hope in these things. Ladies, have you ever put your hope in going shopping and you hoped that nobody would be there? <laughs> Only to be disappointed that, oh my gosh, even though you went at 5 o'clock in the morning, it was still super busy. There's just these things that we put hope and our anticipation and our expectation, and as we do that, um, they let us down. They make us heart sick. And here's what I know about this, that whether you've been walking with Jesus since you were a young child, or if you stepped into this church for the very first time, a church for the very first time today, there's not a single one of us that is exempt from being heart sick at some time. Yes? We put hope in all kinds of things. We put hope in our kids. We put hope in our parents. We put hope in elections. And here's what's interesting about elections. Just in the last four years, no matter what side of the, the thing you're on, you've been disappointed. You've been, hope deferred makes the heart sick, yes? When we put our hope in other things rather than Jesus, it's always going to lead us to a heart sick condition. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's what the Bible says. But let me tell you something. You're not alone. You're in good company. When Jesus died and he rose again, the disciples didn't know what to do. They were unsure. They were, they were expecting that Jesus would come and save them from the Roman rule and the oppression that was coming by that government. But when he died, they were super confused. And then some ladies came in a couple days later and said, he's not in the grave. And they're like, what are you talking about? And the word of God in Luke says that um, a couple of these disciples are walking on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Jesus comes up behind them and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And, Jesus, and, and, and the disciples look at him like, have you been under a rock all this time? Have you missed it all? And they begin to tell Jesus about what has happened to him, which is, I just think is so funny. They just didn't recognize him. And I want to pick up the story because they were heartsick 
It says in that story that their heart were hurt, was hurting. And it says this, they start telling Jesus, and I pick up the story, they're telling Jesus, the chief priest and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Listen to what they said next to Jesus. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped, and I believe they had the true expectation and the anticipation. When they saw Jesus do the things that he did and teach the things that he taught, they had this expectation and they had this anticipation. Oh my gosh, we're only days away from getting out from the Roman oppression. This is the Messiah. This is the one that's going to rescue us. This is the one that's going to save us. But here's the thing. God did things in a way that they weren't expecting. And I would submit this to you. Sometimes we can even put our hope in good things, in God things, and still be off-center a little bit. Yes? Have you ever put your hope in something that you thought God was going to do, only to be disappointed even in that because you got off into the thing and you left the person of Jesus behind? You know what's interesting? I'm praying for this message Saturday morning, and all of a sudden I started getting really uncertain about it. I wasn't sure of the flow. I started getting anxious thoughts. I started getting a little nervous about this, and I felt like the Holy Spirit reminded me, okay, are you putting your hope in the message, or are you putting your hope in me who gave you the message? It's that easy. It's that quick to just get off just a little bit and hear the disciples who were walking and talking with Jesus. They got off too. So you're not alone. If you've put your hope in something and been disappointed, you're not alone. But I want you to catch this. Jesus begins to tell them the story. And they walk this seven-mile walk as Jesus is just telling them this. They sit down for dinner. Jesus breaks the bread, and they recognize that it's him. And all of a sudden, Jesus disappears. And it's recorded in Luke chapter 24 that the, those two disciples go, weren't our hearts burning inside of us when he was talking to us? And that is my prayer for you today, is that as I'm talking about this hope, that something in your heart would be burning, that would be going, this is true, this is right. I need to take my hope from whatever it is, and I need to put it on Christ. We talked as a teaching team. It is so important to understand and get this. It's not about putting your hope in a circumstance that God could do. It's about putting your hope on the person who's going to be with you in the circumstance. Don't miss that, and I hope you'll never forget that. Don't get caught by putting your hope in a circumstances, even as good as it may be. If you get your eyes off of Jesus and you get your eyes on the circumstance, you miss out on what God has for you and the anchor that he really wants you to have. And see, that's the good news, is that we have a living hope. Let me read this scripture to you from 1 Peter. It says this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. Everybody say living hope. Living. Through the resurrection of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating today, church. Amen. That's what we're celebrating. The pancakes and sausage were nice, but we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And the fact that we have a living hope in him. It's not a dying hope. And unfortunately, a lot of people think hope is kind of dead. It's been a rough year, yes? There are some people I've talked to this morning. This is the first time they've been in church since before COVID. It's been a rough year. And in the middle of that, it's really hard to have a living hope. The hope is more of a dying, anticipating death hope, yes? 
You're expecting bad things. Church, that's not what God desires. God sent his son to raise from the dead so that we could have a living hope in him. A living hope. It goes on. I encourage you to read the rest of chapter 1 in 1 Peter, but I'm going to pick up in verse 21. It says this. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Your faith and hope are in God. We were talking about this as a teaching team, and there is just an uncanny correlation between faith and hope and how they tie together. And let me tell you why. Faith in Hebrews is defined this way. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. Faith is being sure of the thing you're expecting. Expecting? (laughs) Expecting. Faith is being sure in what you expect, being sure in what you anticipate, being certain of things unseen. How many of you can be really certain of things you don't see? Man, I struggle with this because I'm, by nature, a little skeptical. I think most of us are, and we want to see it so that we can believe it. But what faith says is we are supposed to be sure of what we hope for. Okay, so how does faith come? Romans says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And here's what I want you to understand, church. That when you hear from God, you can know that it's going to come to pass. And when you know that it's going to come to pass, you can be certain of what you expect. Yes, And so I want you to get a picture of this, and I want every single person to hear me right now. Pastors are not the only ones that hear the voice of God. It used to be that way in the Old Testament. The high priest had to hear from God, and then he brought the message to the church. Unfortunately, a lot of people still believe that that's the way it goes, but it's not. Jesus died. He rose from the grave so that we could have direct access, every single one of us, you and I, we can go to God and we can have access to the throne room and we can hear God for ourselves. And I believe with all of my heart that he is speaking to you and I every single day, multiple times a day. We just have to get good to hearing him. It sounds an awful lot like you. Very rarely is it very much it's through your thought and what your thoughts are. Have you ever been walking out of your house and you had this thought, hey, go check the iron? Oh, yeah. And you go and sure enough, it was on. Holy Spirit. I truly believe he wants to interact and be a part of our days every or a part of our day every single day, all day long. And he's continually speaking to us. And so I want you to get this picture. It says that we believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in him. When God speaks to us, it stirs faith, and when faith arises in us, we can be confident of what we know what is to come, yes? So I want you to get that picture because here's the good news. Jesus is the answer to a sick heart. Jesus is the answer to a sick heart. If you're in here today, if you're listening to me, whether you're in person or online, and you have a sick heart, I want you to understand whether it's discouragement or disappointment or someone let you down or something let you down, I want you to understand that if you will turn your focus and your eyes to Jesus, he will not disappoint you. And he will not let you down. 
Romans 5 says this, hope does not put us to shame. Some other translations say this, hope does not disappoint. Listen to that. Hope does not disappoint. Before you came in today, would you have said that hope doesn't disappoint? Because I think most of us, at least for me, I would say hope disappoints more often than it doesn't. Yes? Because we're off. We're putting our hope in those other things. But when we put our hope in Jesus, our hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Listen to the heart of your father as I read the rest of this scripture. And I want you to get the picture of how much he cares for you and loves you and what he has done for you. Listen to these words. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. That's the heart of your father. That though you were a sinner, he sent Jesus to die on our behalf so that he could have right relationship with you and I. And the only thing that we need to do is recognize the act that he did and turn to him and say, thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus. I want you to get the picture of this. This is not uh, mythology. This is historical data, facts, figures, people, historians wrote about Jesus Christ walking and talking on this planet. It's not things of mythology that we've been taught or that you might be led to believe. The truth is Jesus walked and talked on this planet and he taught these things on this planet and he said these things to people who were here on this planet who recorded them, not just people who wrote this book called the Bible, but other historians that didn't even believe in God that wrote about this man, Jesus. And he himself said, I am the only way to the Father. No one goes to the Father except through me. And he died and that's been written down, and he rose from the grave, and that's been written down historically, and over 500 people have been written about that witnessed his, his body being alive after he died. So we're talking about a historical thing that God wants us to grab a hold of and understand he loves you so much that he sent Jesus so that you could be reconciled with him. What does that look like practically? Here's what it looks like, and I'll finish with this. Jesus forgave you and I when he died on that cross. The heavenly father forgave each one of our sins because of what Jesus did. And get the magnitude of this. It says that he died for all of our sins. Okay, how many is all? All. That means the sins you've committed, the thin sins that you will fall short in today, and the sins that you'll fall short in tomorrow. He died for them all. 
And so I want you to get this picture of what this looks like. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your failures and your shortcomings. He sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ. We all know that song that talks about the blood of Jesus that makes us white as snow. As white as snow. What is that? What it means is that when God, the Father, looks at you, he sees nothing but the perfection of Jesus Christ. And so when you think about all your shortcomings and when you think about all your sins, God goes, what are you talking about? All I see is the perfect blood of Jesus Christ that has been put over you. And here's what's interesting. Jesus died for every single person on this planet. He's forgiven us. And that's how God sees us. What do we have to do? We have to simply turn and be reconciled. Because in order to be reconciled to someone, both parties have to acknowledge that something has taken place. God the Father forgives you and I. Your job is to say, thank you, Dad, and turn to him. That's it. He's not asking you for religion. He's not asking you to start coming to Shine Church. He's not asking you to start doing a bunch of things, list of do's and don'ts. That's not what he's asking. He's simply saying, acknowledge what I did for you, and if you will do that and start listening to me and let me be a part of your life, then we've been reconciled, and it's a beautiful picture of what we celebrate on Easter. I've shared my testimony before, but I'm just going to give it real quickly. I grew up Catholic, and I didn't believe the doctrine and the rules and regulations that were being taught to me. And so when I got old enough to walk um, out of the church, I did. And I didn't go for several years. And I lived in Willow Park. I moved to Estes Park, and I'm working in a movie theater up in Estes Park. And this guy from high school walks in. And he says, Dan, I'm like, Todd, what's going on? And we just start interacting. And out of the blue, he goes, you need to go to church with me on Sunday. I'm like, uh, okay. So I go to church with him. I don't remember anything about the church service, but I do remember on the way back up from the service that he said this one line. He said, Dan, God doesn't want religion from you. He just wants relationship. I don't remember another thing he said that entire time. That just ruminated and just kept resonating in my mind, and I couldn't get away from it. And for two months, it just played over and over and over in my head to the point where I finally was like, okay, God, if this is real, if you want relationship with me, then prove yourself to me. And the very next thought I had was this, go to church for a month. Oh, okay, that's kind of weird, but all right, that's what I'll do. So I start going to this church. Go the first week, nothing happens. Go the second week, nothing happens. The third week comes, and I lived with four other guys in a house that we all rented together, and we did what five other guys would do. We had a bunch of people over, and we had a good time that night, if you know what I mean. And at 3 a.m., when I passed, I mean, went to go to sleep, <laughs> I will never forget this, laying my head down on the pillow, barely coherent, to be quite honest with you clear as day, I have this thought that comes in my mind. Don't forget to set your alarm. What? You made a deal. Okay. Reached over, set my alarm. Three hours later, woke up, took a shower, got in my car, drove down to church. 
And from that day forward, church, my life has never been the same. God got a hold of my heart. He made himself real. And the way that he did it for me is probably going to be different for the way that he does it from you. But here's what I know. That is, if you will open your heart and your mind and say, God, will you show yourself real? I believe with all of my heart, he will answer that prayer and he will come in. And this will be the best Easter message you've ever heard. Because it's such a life-giving thing that will come happen to you. Because your heavenly father loves you so much that he wants you to understand that all of your sins have been forgiven and, and he wants to be reconciled to you where you can hear his voice and listen to him each and every day. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna end the service. And I wanna pray for two different people. I wanna pray for those that maybe have never asked Jesus into their heart. And I want to just say this. Um, if what I just said about relationship and not religion, and that God wants a walking, talking relationship has resonated with you at all, then I want to encourage you, and I want to pray for you here in just a minute. I want you to ask Jesus to come and make himself real to you. Ask him to come into your life. Give him permission. Cast away, push away anything that you've learned about Christianity from any man or woman, but now just go to God and say, God, make yourself real. So I'm going to pray for you. And the second one is this. I want to pray for people in here that this Easter, as I'm speaking this message, you have realized, wow, I've put my hope in something other than Jesus. And I want to pray that that would shift today and that you would remember this Easter because of the shift from hoping in something else to the shift to saying, I hope in Jesus Christ, and that's my true north, and that's going to be my anchor point. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and we thank you. God, I thank you for what we celebrate on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday. We thank you for the fact that, Jesus, you walked and talked on this planet and that you um, taught us these things. And then, God, I thank you for the life that you gave so that we could have that forgiveness from our Heavenly Father. I thank you for rising from the dead so that we could have that relationship and that reconciliation with our Heavenly Father. And so, Lord, I pray for people in this room that are here today that maybe have never considered and have never asked you into their heart. And if you are here this morning and you would say, Pastor Dan, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want you to pray for me. Would you just catch my eye real quick? Would you lift up your hand so that I can pray for you? Is there anybody? Yep, okay, yep, see you, see you. Yes, see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. For those that raised your hand, I want you to simply know this, that God simply wants you to continue to respond to him in the way you just did. There was something inside of you that said, put your hand up. That's the voice I want you to start listening to each and every day. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, these individuals that have come to you, that have said, Jesus, come and make yourself real to me, Lord, I pray that you would do just that. God, that this would be a day that would change their life forever and that you would come in and that you would impact and partner with them, that you would show them what it looks like to have a walking, talking relationship with them. And Lord, we thank you for these individuals that raised their hand to invite you to come into their heart. And now, Lord, I pray for other individuals in this room that maybe have found themselves putting their hope in something other than you. They've put their 
hope in something that has disappointed, that maybe has left them feeling short of, of the life that they were hoping that would come from that. Lord, I pray that you would give them that living hope that comes only from a relationship with you and understanding that you are the living hope. And so, Lord, whether it's somebody that's been um, serving you for all of their life or somebody that just has recently come to know you, um, God, if you have pinpointed in their area or an area in their life that they have put a hope in something other than you, God, I pray that you would just touch them and you would minister to them right now. And um, if you would do me a favor, if you would raise your hand and just say, Pastor Dan, pray for me because that's where I am. I need to put my hope back in Jesus. And get that, yep, 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 all over the room. Yep, all over the room. I am thinking of the song that we finished the worship set with, the resurrected Christ is resurrecting me. <laughs> the resurrected Christ is resurrecting me. God, I pray that that's what you would stir in each person's heart that just raised their hand. God, give them that life again, that their hope is grounded and is firmly established in who you are, Jesus. And that is the only thing that matters. And God, I pray that they would be quickly, quickly, they would quickly understand when they're putting their hope somewhere else and that you would bring them right back to center. And they would bring them right back to putting their hands and trust and hope and everything in you. And Lord, we thank you that you have spoke to each one of us today in regards to these things. And so, Lord, we lift you up and we just celebrate you on this Resurrection Sunday. In your name we pray, amen.